Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by Crazy Holiday Schedules. That's what it's sponsored by. We had a crazy one. We actually recorded our recap episode uh, at the beginning of the week, but Christmas Eve and all that holidays entail, we weren't able to get it out on time. So we are putting it together with our preview episode. So you're going to get one mega episode. This mega episode will include first our recap of the Rams game and then it will be followed immediately up by our preview of the Seahawks, the Niners, going to Seattle to face the Seahawks, which should be a crazy, crazy game. But before we get started, Raymond, why don't you let them know where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at The underscore Goldcast. And don't forget to subscribe to us if you'd like to get notified on when we go live with our brand new episodes on Apple iPod, Stitcher, YouTube, all under the same moniker of The Goldcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and comment. YouTube is the best place to leave comments where we like to interact with the fans and get your feedback on episodes and all things Bay Area sports, in particular this time of year, the 49ers. Oh, yeah. And, Raymond, it's actually Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Not Apple. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it, this is years of years of conditioning we are undoing in a matter of weeks. It's not easy. All right, Raymond, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis and Instagram at RaySolis1. All right, and you can find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis 3 and Twitter at Rudy Solis 3RD. All right, Raymond. We have got the hugest game of the year coming up. I am so pumped, so excited. We have the recap episode coming up first, as we already mentioned, and then we're about to drop the biggest game of the year. Of course. Your professor in fanalism, he's in the building. The greatest fanalist in the game, he's here too. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Sousa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Chalice the first, baby. Boom. Raymond, this was a matchup of epic proportions. This was the rematch, our second game this season against the Los Angeles Rams, a team that has dominated us pretty handily for the last several years. And even though we've had some pretty close games, they have been the clear-cut team leagues above us. Last year, they were in the Super Bowl, only lost three games. This is a team that's kind of been the bane of our existence, and we had an opportunity on Saturday to not only defeat the Los Angeles Rams, but to knock them out of the playoffs and propel ourselves back into the one seed, and that is exactly what we did. It was, I would say, a wildly inconsistent game for both teams, the three plays that really stood out to me was 
Fred Warner's pick six, which really changed the momentum in the first half of the game. And then, of course, the two biggest offensive plays, which I, in my opinion, were when Jimmy G was back-to-back third and 16, and he was able to deliver another game-winning drive, the fourth one of this season, where the ball is in Jimmy's hands, and he pretty much has to go the length of the field and only has minutes to go. Very Montana-esque, very clutch in those situations. And those, But those three plays, Fred Warner's pick six and Jimmy G's uh, back-to-back uh, conversions on first down conversions on three and 16 to get us into field goal position to win the game were really what stood out to me. But and of course, most importantly, as we already mentioned, the 49ers maintain, regain the one seed and now have to only win one more game to, to get the, the first round by, which is so badly needed after what's been a very long and brutal season but Raymond, I'm going to pass the mic off to you. What are your thoughts on this game? Well, it was nerve-wracking, especially when the Rams jumped out 14 to 3 just uh just before the second quarter. And so I was thinking like, man, you know, 14 points within one quarter and we've only got a field goal to show for it. And our and our first drive was or I'm sorry, our second drive or actually two out of the three possessions in that quarter alone was a punt, an interception, and the field goal. So it wasn't looking good early on. And I was just hoping that things were going to wake up, which they certainly did, but it was a really slow slow roll towards that. I mean, Debo Samuel did open the second quarter with his 19-yard touchdown in that first possession, but then the Rams answered right back and put the score up to 21-10 right after that. And that was a really long drive. Their, their drives were a lot longer than ours. They controlled the clock a lot better than we did. I feel like we've really struggled to control the clock in this latter half of the season. A lot of it has to do with teams just kind of starting to figure out figure out our offensive scheme and really kind of doing everything they can to slow us down. And we're having to, you know, do some more, you know, we're just having to, come up with other ways to get the ball downfield. A lot of times it's led to really short drives. You know, that the, the first touchdown drive of that game was five plays, only took less than three minutes. The, you know, the drive they had before that, when we, they went up 14 to three, they took four minutes and it took nine plays to get that drive going. Our, our Even our field goal drive was six plays, two minutes, 33 seconds. The, every drive, you know, they were really controlling the clock. It wasn't until the second touchdown of the game that we've, finally got to see some of our quintessential offense come into play. And that was the nine play drive, 75 yards over four, almost nearly four and a half minutes taken up during that drive, which narrowed the deficit by four points. And we were then, the score was then 21 to 17. And then of course there was the huge, I'm sorry, not four points, but made it a one possession game. It was 20. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was four points, but it was a, it was a one possession game. And then after that, you know, what more can you say about Fred Warner? This guy deserves to be in the Pro Bowl voting. I know Nick Bosa was in there and I know Richard Sherman got in there and I know some offensive players got in there, but Fred Warner, this is a huge snub in my book. He's just been so good 
especially with turnovers and ball awareness and angles. And so I just think that him with the big pick six at home just to end the first half was just, to me, that was the play of the game. That Changed really, the whole trajectory. Changed everything. Exactly. It, it shifted the momentum, even though the momentum wouldn't you know remain on our side for the for the rest of the game it still it still made everyone feel a lot better going into the half because it was really it was a tough half to get out of we had to climb out from that deficit and we took the lead when it mattered most and that was amazing so i thought that was fantastic you know it was unfortunate to open the third quarter with jimmy throwing that pick i know it was kind of tipped it wasn't like the first pick to Jalen Ramsey, which just shouldn't have been thrown in the first place. The next one was just kind of tipped, and we got it after that. So that was unfortunate, but I still think uh, I still think the um, the Niners. You know, they've they've lost a couple games by three by a couple field goals, and now we've won a couple games with field goals. So now we know how both ends feel like, and we've I feel like we've experienced every type of win this season and loss well not i wouldn't say loss i mean we haven't gotten blown out but i we experienced enough blowouts in the previous two years to know what that feels like but we've lost a game by a field goal we've lost a couple games that way and we've also lost games by you know shooting ourselves in the foot and we've lost games to inferior opponents when we really should have blown them out so i think those are the kind of the quintessential losses that you really want to experience when you're vying for the first seed in the nfl so but to me, this game was uh, Jimmy facing adversity yet again and answering the call yet again, overcomes two picks and ends up putting together a great drive. Once again, I'd like to remind the viewers, Joe Montana threw double-digit picks eight times in his career. He, In fact, so in other words, out of his, I think he played 13, 14 years, something like that. More often than not, he was throwing more, you know, a lot of picks. He threw double-digit picks more often than he didn't. Then he threw single-digit picks in a season. These things happen when you take risks. Brett Favre leads the NFL in history in interceptions. I'm sure that was very frustrating for Packers fans. But more often than not, he was making the right throws. And it was because of that risk-taking that he was able to be to see so much success because he just kept at it. And Jimmy G takes a lot of risks. Some of them really look like bonehead plays. Some of them I credit to the wide receivers not catching the ball when the ball's placed in the right spot. Because it's harder to, you know, it's not always easy to hit runners in stride and I mean, when he threads the needle it looks magnificent and it is beautiful football but when he doesn't players got to go out and make plays the same way Jerry Rice and Terrell Owens used to go out and grab the ball the way Julio Jones and Michael Thomas do that week in and week out you go up and you get the ball you don't just wait for it to hit you you don't let it smack your hands and then let it fall through you go up and you grab the ball so Jimmy's gonna make more of these risks and Players have got to step up and make these plays. And I'm not trying to excuse Jimmy from all of his picks. I'm just saying that some of that is attributed to players not making plays when they should to. But to me, the the other big thing that stood out was the defense. Our defense has been, dis- outside of the Fred Warner pick six, really the defense allowed this team to hang in there the same way they allowed the Falcons to hang in there to the point where they beat us, the same way they allowed the uh well, I wouldn't say the Ravens. I felt like we played pretty good against the Ravens. That was yeah, just a, we, they, that was they a only scored team. three points in the second half. Right. I would say we ran out of the, – the, the Seattle game before that was the one game where we kind of let things slip. But defensively, you know, I know there's injuries. 
I just really hope that the guys that are asked to step in just do a better job because we don't have anybody else. You know, we haven't gotten we didn't get any sacks last week. I don't no. think we got I don't think we got any sacks on Matt Ryan. Or literally not even as many as they got on us, that's for sure. We they, we I think we allowed six sacks on Jimmy Garoppolo this week. Six sacks. It was but you know what? Okay, let, let me let me talk let me touch on that for a second. I would say for me, that's my one real critique of Jimmy G. I feel like three of those sacks could have been avoided had he just thrown the ball away. The three of them he could have avoided. I felt like three of those weren't on his offensive line. They really were on his shoulders. Jimmy G has got to let go of that ball. He's got to just throw it towards a receiver, but you know, in their direction, so it's not intentional grounding, and get rid of the ball. And this right. is or just throw it, or just throw it out of bounds. Yeah, I mean, throw it and, out of and, bounds. And Jimmy did admit that in the post game press conference it's he's not he's not unaware of his his mistakes and his flaws and and his you know the mistakes he makes during the games he did allude to the fact that he held on to the ball in other words saying that some of those sacks were not the offensive line's fault but his fault for just holding on to the ball too long because he wanted to just make that throw he's always thinking about making the throw and sometimes it's to his detriment yeah he's gotta he's gotta let that ball go hold he really, really does. And I would say that that's probably the one thing that I think falls on his shoulders. No no question. No question whatsoever. The defense definitely has lost a step or two. I, there's no question. And yes, we do have injuries. But just in general, this is a defense that has lost some starters and is used to kind of moving through a rotation that they don't really have any right now. And I think this is what, alluding back to what you've been saying, to which you've got me echoing now, this is why the one seed is so vital. We need a break. Bad. We haven't had a break since week four. And I know a lot of teams are injured and, you know, everyone's banged up, blah, blah, blah. I've heard all these arguments before, but that doesn't matter. I don't really care about any other team. I just care about this team and I just care about what this team is going through. So we we have really, we have one more week, Raymond, and we'll talk about that obviously a little bit later in the week. We have one more week, one more game. And, you know, this this is another game, another tight close game that had you know had had this exact same game happened you know eight weeks ago it probably would have looked a lot different it would have probably looked a lot more closer to the first game we had against the Rams where we basically kicked their ass and so this is this is just indicative of a team that is in bad need of some rest and also definitely needs to get some players back uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball as you mentioned, we've won every which way you can think of. This 49er team has won, and it has evolved and changed a lot. I mean, this is not – we're winning and playing a completely different style of football today than we were at the beginning of the season. And I think this is a one, one, the one credit, the bright spot on the coaching, is that this is a team that Kyle Shanahan, he finds ways to win any which way he can. And at least that's the one good note. And I, I – even though – you know, we could sit here and say this game should have been should have been a bigger blowout. You know, we should have we should have handled them. Uh, we should have sacked them as many times as they sacked us. It, regardless of that, the one thing I see out of this 49ers team that I think is vital going into the postseason is that they never quit. 
they never quit. They give you 60 full minutes of football, and it doesn't matter if we're in the driver's seat or we're we're behind. We find ways to win, and that 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 that's one of those intangibles those that's that intangible that's a mentality an approach to football where if they can continue to do that they will it will it will definitely benefit this team as we go into the postseason you know the fact that this these guys they grit they grind and they find ways to win it's just really important and we're really good at that and i you know, again, four four different games this season. Jimmy G has gone onto the field with a couple minutes left, and we're behind. And it's been up to him to get us into position to win. And he's delivered four out of four, and that's really impressive and very hard to do. And this team really buckles down in the fourth quarter and really makes it happen. You know, obviously the Falcons uh, that game was an outlier, but in general. A win's a win, and the and the fact that the 49ers find ways, many different ways to win and refuse to give up, that's something that you can't coach. That's just what this team has, and I think this is that's going to really benefit us as we, as we move into the post. I think so, too, because you want, you want that gritty experience. If they've been blowing out everybody this whole time and just hadn't faced a whole lot of adversity, that would set them up for, you know, a shocking matchup where they're not used to people punching back. And we've gotten a lot of punch back in the second half of the season. And I think it's all going to, all this all this is doing is prepping us for the playoffs, which is going to be, those are going to be the best and toughest bouts all year. Typically, that's how they, that's how they, that's how, how it usually ends up, you know, because it's the best of the best. And when you're facing the best of the best, you're going to get the best punch and you're going to have to deliver your best punch conversely. So I think the Niners are definitely going to be ready. But if they want to deliver the best punch possible, then the one seed has to be won this weekend. And I think, you know, I think things are looking good. We'll obviously get into the X's and O's of that and the ins and outs of that as the week draws on because there's already been a lot of press surrounding both these teams, one in particular for obvious reasons that I won't mention at this time. But no, you can mention it. Well, 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 it was just the Marshawn Lynch acquisition. I know people have gotten excited about that. I don't really think there's much to it. You know, he might be in <laughs> he might be in you know athletic shape, but he's not in football shape, as as some people have pointed out. There's a difference between being in shape and being in football shape. There's been no no reps, no conditioning. So, you know, I think when you lose three backs in three weeks, that's what you do. You call your you call retired players that know your system well. That's how desperate you are. That's how desperate the, the Seahawks are. I think if we had lost several, I mean, if we lost all three of our backs, and Jeff Wilson would be in the mix along with probably somebody else off the street. Yeah, I want to I want to touch on that very quickly. Obviously, we'll really get into it a little bit later in the week. But I, I don't know about you, but I'm sitting here going, what 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 makes anybody think? I mean, I've got Seahawks fans just getting all all aggressive with me on text about this. I'm like, what makes you think, do you really think that Marshawn Lynch, who already had significantly lost a step just on the Raiders a couple seasons ago, what makes you think that right now on Tuesday, December 24th, Marshawn Lynch is not only in the best shape of his life, but ready to go and step in there and play against the San Francisco 49ers with the the Seahawks season on the line? 
Like, are you serious? Do you, you really think this? This is incredible. This is a level of, I don't know. This is a, this is. A, I, There's this a is, word for it. I believe the word you're looking for is desperation. I was going to say delusional. <laughs> this is very very delusional, but desperate too. They are des definitely desperate. Like, who cares? I don't know about you, but I'm like, great. Well, now Marshawn Lynch gets to uh, partake in the destruction of this team. I think I can't think of anyone more fitting to join them. Yeah, he looked like a shell of himself in Oakland, who's you know, and I don't expect much out of him this week. And we'll definitely take some more pot shots with him when we do our preview of the Seattle game coming up later this week. But going back to this game, you know, I, the only concern I really have is defense. I know we had Kwan Williams and Sherman back, so I think with one game under their belt, that'll put them back into rhythm heading into Seattle because they didn't play their best games either. To me, the game was really, as far as defensive performances go, because I'd give no credit to the defensive line. You know, I didn't think that D Ford's absence would be that detrimental, considering we had three other surefire pass rushers who were obviously paying most of them, with the exception of DeForest Buckner, were playing better than D Ford, at least in the sack department. But since his absence, really, there's been a, a slow decline to absolutely nothing. So this team, and I know, and to be... To be to be fair, the game plan that John that uh, Sean McVay had drawn up, which was boots and waggles, because he knows that Jared Goff is not good enough to stand into the pocket and deliver the ball accurately if he's got our pass rush in his face, and he's he's just not that. There's some quarterbacks that can sit there and take the hit and make the throw. Jimmy has done that many times this year, and I know Jared Goff was known for that coming out of Cal, but he has not really been that same player this year. Nor has he really, nor has he really been that kind of player in big moments either. He's done it here. He's done it a little bit since coming to the NFL, but you know these lat, this lat, this year, and in big games, he's I I see it happening less often than not. And so credit to Sean McVay because he did have a game plan. And here, here's the thing: if anything, that'll help us prepare for Russell Wilson because. Pete Carroll likes to do the same thing. The rollouts, the boots, the waggles, all that kind of stuff. We're going to see some more of that in the coming week too. So at le- if anything, at least we get you know some, some real game time live fire exercise reps to prepare us for next week because we're certainly going to need it going forward. Unless, you know, unless the defense, the defensive front is able to generate pressure, not just, not just Nick Bosa pressure, but get some sacks, actually stop some drives altogether or force more turnovers then you know this then our opposition is going to be able to hang into every game that we play going going forward but i do believe that as i mentioned at the top of this this particular rant that kawan williams and sherman are big having them back was a big deal kawan williams forced a fumble into the in the game and so having one one game under their belt i think is enough considering they, they missed two couple games each, that this will put them back into rhythm. And it's not like they played terrible. You know, they just, you know, just when you miss a game, you miss a game. It throws you out of rhythm, and you can notice those kinds of things, regardless of how much practice and reps you get in preparation for the game. Akella Witherspoon, I think, is he played horrible last week. He played a little bit better this week. He had the one pass deflection. But to me, Drake Leanlaw and Fred Warner were really the ones carrying the defense. They both led the team in tackles, and, of course, Fred Warner had the amazing pick six. But what more can you ask for Dre Greenlaw? He's a rookie, and he's had to step in there and fill in Quan Alexander's position. And we really haven't lost that much of a step 
since his absence because of the way Dre Greenlaw's playing. And he's one, he, Dre Greenlaw also had that big pick in the overtime loss to Seattle the first go round. So I feel really great about that tandem. They seem to be working out really well. I just need a defensive front with, you have three, three pass rushers there. You gotta, they gotta generate something. They gotta generate something. Nothing, nothing against Jared Goff, who's, you know, you know, one of the, one of the easier quarterbacks sack in our division. It's just, uh, to me, there was just no excuse for that. I expected a lot more, but I do have to give some of that credit, not all of it, but some of it to Sean McVay's game plan, because he knew that that was a pivotal flaw in his quarterback. So he, did his best to keep put his quarterback in a position to make plays. And so that's all you can ask for from your coaches. I, I actually thought Sean McVay did. I agree with you. I thought he, uh, he'd put together a very, very good game plan against us. Johnny Dell and I were going back and forth on Twitter for most of the game, uh, talking about uh, everything that was going on. And one of the things that I, I had mentioned, I was like, you know, I go, he's, it's, it's almost, he's using our, he has seen our, our struggles against mobile quarterbacks and is mimicking a similar style to the best of his ability with Jared Goff. And it was working for a lot of the game. Yeah, it was, it really was. And it it was, it was from the opening scripted drive to throughout the rest of the game. Pretty much. There was a couple times when he sat in there and then Nick Bosa was able to generate pressure. Like when they were pinned in their own territory, deep in their own territory, uh, you know, risking a potential safety, but uh, but w- once he's got out of the pocket, it just got really hard for us to catch people. And uh, you know, that's something that's got to be addressed going forward. I'm not sure how how you quite scheme up to contain that because we're not going to be able to beat Baltimore if we can't figure it out now. No, and we'll be we're not even as healthy right now as we as we were when we played Baltimore. So we'll have those are two things going against us, you know, if Baltimore is able to make it to the final show and and we're and we're able to make it there too because that's the only way that we get to see them again. But you know, there's still some optimism, you know, there's obviously a a a very slim chance that Quan Alexander comes back. You know, but again, he's missed so much time. Do you really take that risk and roll him out there even if he is able to come back? I know he like, you know, do you do you put the uh you know the the optimistic, legendary mindset of Quan Alexander out there in a big game like a Super Bowl. Uh, to me, the the answer is no. You go with the players who have who have been there, who are in rhythm, who are ready to go. Uh, I think that would be a big risk, in my opinion. I think maybe you put him in limited snaps and specific coverages, and and then see how he does. And if he doesn't do well, you pull him out quick because it's it's all or nothing if it comes to that. Yeah. But hopefully D- DJ Jones comes back because he just has the high ankle sprain. So that guy, he I'm hoping he has a chance to come is, back. Is D Ford done for the season? No, he he should be back after this after this week. He yeah, should, if, yeah. I feel like a bunch of our guys come back in the postseason. Yeah, he's just post. dealing with the quad and the hamstring, and his he's not on IR or anything like that. He's just not active right now. He probably won't be active for this Sunday game against Seattle, which is a shame because clearly his presence on that outer edge it's basically like you you're basically booting and waggling against whatever side nick bosa's on you're 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 rolling out on the opposite side because that's the weak side you there's like there's no confidence on solomon thomas if he's there and whoever else gets rotated into that position so there's there's just and i i would based on the film i would have to agree with any opponent that steps into this building or vice versa 
because we haven't been able to generate any pressure outside of Nick Bosa and a little bit of Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. But I do expect more out of those three. They shouldn't ha- they shouldn't be that dependent on DeFord's presence. But to me, it seems like it. That's what the case is. I don't know if that's the whole. St- it's not the whole story, but that's some of it for sure. Some of it for sure. Raymond, who gets your game ball? Game ball, and who gets your cold shower? Man, that's tough. Jimmy's back to back third and sixteens. That's so difficult to do god it was so clutch especially that beautiful the second one the huge it bomb. was oh considering, considering the you know everything that was at stake at that point i gotta give it to jimmy but man a part of me really wants to give it to fred warner too the pick six at the end of the first half was also a game changer as well but jimmy's game changer decided the fate of the game which obviously has you know carries more weight so who gets the cold shower? So okay, so so game ball goes to Jimmy G. Now who gets a cold shower? The defensive front, easy, hundred percent. No sacks, no sacks <laughs> on Jared Goff. And as far as predictions go, Niner by nature predicted thirty four twenty. You got our score right. Just didn't get the Rams score right, but that's pretty good. John Niner predicted thirty one twenty one. He got the Rams score right. Uh, just uh, just didn't get the, the team right, but that's still a great attempt. You got the you got the outcome right. And by the way, good luck to uh, John Niner, who's also moving to Florida Florida this week. And also a shout out to Niner by Nature again, who's moving to Texas this coming year. And Andy Laird, my man, twenty one seventeen. He got uh he got uh, the the team right. Score was a little off though, but thank you for chiming in. And then I will avoid the comment underneath his because you didn't give a score and the only way to get a proper shout out is to give a score prediction. And but what I will say is that comment thought that we were going to get we were going to get blown out by the Rams. So didn't, that guy did, was way off. Didn't way I off. say 35-31? Isn't I wasn't think that you did. We'll have I, to, someone that, if someone my, can clip that and bring it up if I, I said I, that if yeah. I don't, don't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I said 35-31. I think that's exactly what I pre- – I think I was off by one point in terms of my prediction this year, this week. I was actually close for once. Uh, for once. But I am going to give the game ball to Fred Warner. That's nice. who that – I thought, to me, that was easy. It was a no-brainer for me. I really thought that he was the – he deserved it. The pick six changed the entire momentum of the game, and if it wasn't for that pick six, we would have lost. I mean, it was it was pivotal, and it just it changed the whole momentum. And we really needed the defense to come up big somewhere, and they did. And we needed it desperately at that exact moment. And I also our defensive front for sure gets a cold shower. So in the end, a entertaining, albeit wildly inconsistent, game from both teams. You know, both. Both teams were were very inconsistent. Yeah, it's definitely an ugly game for I would say majority of the time. But when the teams needed to make plays the most, they certainly made the most of those opportunities. We just made one more than the Rams. Yes, and we swept them, and we eliminated them from the playoffs. And I got to talk a bunch of smack to our LA co-host Louis B, and it was awesome. Raymond, any final thoughts before we go? Just that. I'm glad that in the must-win situation, the Niners found a way to win 
I thought the game would be close. I didn't necessarily think it was going to be that close. I was hoping that the rage from the Atlanta Falcons embarrassing last second loss would really fuel us to send a message. You know, it drives me nuts because had we won with Seattle's loss on Sunday, we would have clinched the one seed and this week wouldn't even matter. We could probably rest our guys and let them do whatever they want. Yeah, exactly. So that, that, that just kind of, you know, if this was last week, I would say it's salt on the wound, but you know, this week, at least we got the win that we needed because that, that really puts the pressure on Seattle. Seattle's up against the wall and we really have control of the ship right now. So all is mattering is all, all, that, all that's left is to just win out, you know, keep, yeah, exactly. Just win out. Just keep chugging along. All right, let's move on to the Seahawks preview. Let's go. Raymond, they said we wouldn't be here. They said famously on one one NFL network prediction that we would only win three games. They said that it was the strength of schedule, that we were pretenders was a, a word that was rallied and used a lot they said we would not be able to get through the second half of the season they said when we reached the gauntlet the playoff dress rehearsal as we were calling it here on the gold cast that we would be swept and we would lose to all three teams they said we would not get the number one seed they said the seahawks were the best team in the in the nfc west they said they said they said and yet Week 17 is here. We are the best team in the NFC. We have risen to every challenge that has been put in front of us. There is only one that remains, and it is the Seahawks. We have to finish what we started way back in Week 10 when we received our first loss. This game, the the NFL has wisely... Flex this to the 5 p.m. game. This is the final game of the season with the entire NFC hanging in the balance. Not just the NFC West. The NFC as a conference hangs in the balance. The winner of this game will become the number one seed in the NFC and the number one seed in the NFC West. And the loser will drop to the fifth seed. Now, what's that mean? Well, for if you haven't if you've been living under a box during this entire season, here's what that means. That means that the winner of this game will get the 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 bye in the first week of the playoffs during Wild Card Weekend, and will begin their playoff journey in the divisional round. The loser dropping to the fifth seed will have to start on Wild Card Weekend and face most of their game, probably actually I think all their games on the road. So this this is huge as we have seen the number one and number two seeds make it to the Super Bowl for pretty much five years straight. That one week bye is for real. Home field advantage is for real. Maybe not necessarily as far as crowd is concerned, but home field advantage I think is really most important for rest. And this is a team, the San Francisco 49ers have not had a break since week four. Week four was our bye, and this is a team in bad need of a break. So we're going to go through, Raymond, we're going to go through some of the numbers of what is going to be most likely a classic, dirty, rough matchup. 
So we're going to go through some numbers. I'm going to pass the mic over to you. We're going to begin first. 49ers open as three-point favorites in their house, which has gotten them all fired up. The uh, the over-under is, is, uh, is set at 47. San Francisco is averaging 30.2 points per game this season. Still number two in the NFL. We've pretty much been there all year long. San Francisco is surrendering 19.3 points per season, uh, per game this season. That is eighth in the NFL. Unfortunately, that number has steadily gotten higher and higher up. We were at four, we were at two, then we were at four, now we're at eight. Seattle is averaging 25.6 points per season. That's ninth in the NFL. They're surrendering 24.8 points per game this season. That is 21st in the NFL. We defeated the Los Angeles Rams last week, 34-31. Seattle lost to the Arizona Cardinals last week, 27-13 on the road. And now, here we go. San Francisco in Seattle for the biggest game of the season with an entire conference hanging in the balance. Raymond, I pass it off to you. Well, it's like every week, especially in these crunch weeks, these weeks that matter more than any weeks leading up to this. Well, I mean, there was also there was significance in, in the, the weeks leading up to it because they, those needed to happen in order to get to this point. But in this stage of the season, health is really a challenging challenging factor for all teams in the NFL not just the 49ers but there is quite the list of players in and out of the lineup for both teams although our list has gotten progressively shorter in these these previous in these last three games including this game and we know that Jaquaski Tart returned to practice just before uh, Christmas Eve, he was at practice. Christmas Day, nobody played on Christmas Day. Practice reports went out anyways. It was kind of a, a little bit of a fictitious report because everyone, nobody practiced on Wednesday. But had they had had they gone through those reps like a normal week, we would have seen similar similar patterns that we see today. So today we had Jaquaski Tart and Julian Taylor was a full practice on Wednesday, limited today. I don't know if that's more of a rest precaution, but Debo Samuel was limited because he's still dealing with the shoulder, but you can expect him to play on Sunday. Mike Person is still dealing with the neck. Not sure if he's going to start or if we'll give it to Brunskill or School for that matter. Tavarius Moore was in concussion protocol. He was a full go on Wednesday and a full practice today. Or I think... It says Wednesday, but I'm thinking they mean Tuesday. Like he would have been full go on Wednesday, but is a full go on Thursday. It's a little, again, a little deceiving with the holiday because everyone had the day off. So D4 did not play. He is confirmed will not play in this game. So just like it was predicted when he first dealt with the injury that he'd be out for a few weeks, sure enough, he's been out for his third straight week. So that's very unfortunate because. Clearly, we see we've seen in his absence that he is a very important cog in the pass rush, and the pass rush has not been as effective without him. Although in the beginning, 
when he was missing a game, when he missed a game or missed some time here and there, they were able to still keep up the full. But I think that was largely in part because we still had the depth players there, like Ronald Blair, DJ Jones. Those guys were still there back then, but now they're missing. So I think that combined with D Ford's absence really kind of hurts the effectiveness of, of this line. But hopefully they show up this week. And we have Aziz Alshair, the last person on the list. Actually, the first list because I read it backwards, but he was dealing with a knee injury. He's been limited the past couple of practices. However, on the Seattle side, there's quite a long list. We know Dwayne Brown, the starting tackle, he's dealing with the, not, the knee and biceps. He did not practice. Uh, the full report for their practice has not been released for today. I assume we'll get it at the end of this recording, but there's a good chance he didn't practice today either. We know Malik Turner is dealing with concussion. He didn't play. He didn't practice in the previous one. Joey Hunt, the center, he's dealing with a fibula. He didn't practice. Mikey Potty, the guard, that's three offensive linemen I've named already, dealing with the neck. Former 49er, too, and his best years were with us. He didn't practice. Don't know if he practiced today. Quadre Diggs, the strong safety that the Seattle Seahawks acquired via trade, dealing with an ankle, did not practice, but not sure if he there's a good chance he'll start on Sunday. Jadavion Clowney, who's missed the last couple of weeks with a core injury, was limited, returned to practice, and said via press conference that he will undoubtedly play and start on Sunday. So we'll have to deal with him again. To what degree, what strength he'll be at is undetermined at this point. Shaquille Griffin, the starting cornerback, he's his twin brother is also on the team, I think his twin brother has the uh, the handicap on his arm. He's missing a hand. Shaquille Griffin is dealing with a hamstring. He was limited. There's a chance he plays, but again, these guys are not 100%. And these are hamstring injuries. Hamstrings are very, very tricky. Michael Kendricks, who I believe got a pick off of Jimmy Garoppolo in the previous game, he was limited in practice with a hamstring injury. And then George Fant, Jermaine Effetti, Ethan Posick and Bobby Wagner were all full practice, so they'll they'll be there. But other than that, those eight players that either didn't practice or had limited practice on the Niners side, there was only five players who were limited in practice or didn't practice at all. D Ford's the only one we can really rule out at this point. Jaquaski Tart is making his way towards a start, and if he does get cleared by the team medical staff, then it's been alluded to by Matt Mayoko that he will get his starting position back, which I think is totally fair because we've been the strong safety. Harris has been inconsistent in his stead, and I'd rather take my chances rolling the dice with Jaquaski Tart, even though he's been missing for a few games. So there is a, you know, there is some rhythm disruption there. We're not sure if that'll affect him on Sunday. You know, usually I you, you see guys get out of rhythm, but there's plenty of plenty of examples of players who miss games and come out of nowhere and just are able to pick up right where they left off. So I'm hoping that's the case for Jaquaski Tart. We know Debo Samuel, who was a big, big factor in the offense. The last time these two teams played will be a part of this team. And we know that George Kittle, who did not participate in the previous matchup that went down to overtime, was not available last time, but he will be available for this game. So that is a big difference heading into this contest. A really big difference for between our team and their team is that we're not going to have we're not going to have a lot of the defensive starters that we had in the previous game that's that's a given so with that 
I mean, we are going to get some of our secondary back, which is thank God because we're the number one, still the number one passing defense in the NFL, still second in total defense and total yards allowed. And we've actually moved up five spots in the rankings in rushing defense. We've played a lot better these past few weeks, all things considered, which has been great. And now we're dealing with the Seattle team that's missing Rashad Penny, missing Chris Carson, and has been so desperate. They have called upon the services of Marshawn Lynch, who only played six games last year. And while is in great shape, it's a really safe presumption to say that he's not in football shape. The, the, rhythmic shape that you need to be in to handle the responsibility of a bell cow running back because he is by default he's going to have to play into this role because the seahawks Seahawks have nobody i i want to touch on this because the 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 fervor that his signing has caused among seattle fans is is ridiculous and listen i get it you know if if we were somehow in the same shoes and he had got signed, the problem is Marshall Lynch was a shell of himself when going through, as you had just mentioned, going through a full preseason, full regular season with the Raiders. He was a shell of himself. So I don't understand how during this offseason he has somehow been able to keep himself at a level where not only is he ready to compete, but he's ready to compete at an NFL speed level against the the number one team in the NFC, I just don't see it. I don't see it at all. In fact, I'm licking my chops. I'm thinking this is one of the best things to possibly happen to us as a signing. I agree. Chris Carson amassed 1,230 yards this season with the Seahawks, which is terrific. These are great numbers. Four and a half yards per attempt. He had seven touchdowns. The next the next player with the most yards was Rashad Penny at 370. So clearly, the lion's share was going to Chris Carson. He is no longer there. Rashad Penny's no longer there. I just don't see Marshawn Lynch making the impact that Seattle really needs to have a balanced offensive attack. And I think desperate times call for desperate measures because if Rashad Penny was healthy, then they wouldn't have even given a thought to Marshawn Lynch. The fact that they lost three backs in three weeks is indicative of why they called Marshawn Lynch in the first place. That's all this is. This is not some... This is not. This is completely unique, completely an exception to the rule. It's just they just need help. That's all there is to it. All of our backs are healthy, so expect to see Tevin Coleman, expect Raheem Mostert to be there, and expect Mac Breida to be a part of this attack. So, I feel very confident in our group going into this into this matchup. This is going to be a very interesting matchup, and. I think we definitely have the advantage as far as the running game is concerned. And I think we also have an advantage in the passing game. I think so too. Oh, real quick, there is there is one way, Raymond, there is one way Marshawn, Lynch, Marshawn Lynch's return can actually benefit them. And the only way it'll work is if this isn't Marshawn Lynch of 2019. If somehow Pete Carroll found himself a DeLorean and managed to get Marshawn Lynch from 2015 into that DeLorean, and he blasted him to the future, and we're actually playing 2015 Marshawn Lynch, then for sure, you should be, we should definitely, we need all hands on deck. But if it's not, if if Marshawn Lynch doesn't come out of a DeLorean on Sunday night at 5 o'clock in Seattle, doesn't matter. Anyways, back to this. Go ahead. Continue what you were saying. And you are 100% right. 
and science science and unique technology does not favor the Seahawks this week. So they will not be able to get any of that luck on their side for this matchup. You know, and look, I do give Russell Wilson is their best chance here. But even with a one dimensional team, I don't think Russell Wilson is gonna I don't think it's gonna be enough for Russell Wilson because they were somewhat limited in our first matchup, but they had a they had a very healthy running back stable back then. So without and and still, and we were missing our best offensive weapon. Emmanuel Sanders only caught two passes in that game, so he was a non-factor. And I think that's when I believe that's when the rib injuries started for him, and which is why he was so limited. And Debo ended up becoming a, a huge part. He had eight eight out of eleven targets for 112 yards in that game. So. With a fully healthy Emmanuel Sanders and a fully healthy George Kittle, who is undoubtedly the best tight end in the NFL, I think that this secondary that is dealing with hamstring injuries and dealing with the the, the core injury to J. Davion Clowney and the ankle injury to Quandre Diggs, this secondary is banged up right now in every level. The linebacker, the cornerback, defensive end, and even the safety. So there's a lot of... That gives a lot of advantage to our group. Because our group is healthy coming into this game. So I know that Quan Williams and Sherman didn't have their best game last week, although they did play. They did, were they, but my point is that they have another, after missing a game, they have a, a full game under their belt, which helps build them momentum into getting back into full rhythm and full stride for this game. And I think that they will certainly enter that bell. And it's not like they didn't come up on the practice report for any reason whatsoever. So that's that means they are 100%, which is far different from hamstring, core, and ankle injuries, which is everything you need in order to perform in that backfield. So I think we have an advantage there. And our, our passing game has an advantage over their secondary. And our running game has an advantage over their rushing defense, which is, again, defensively, this team has been bottom 10 all year long. They bend, and they've only broken a few times this year. But I think that given these injuries, given the all the injuries on both sides of the ball, I just feel like they're yeah, breaking exactly. a lot more now. They're just, I feel like now they're starting to crumble, and it's 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 hey, it's it's the card that they've been dealt, and it's it's now time to play us, and that's that's where the cards fall. So to me, I just feel like there's a lot of advantages here, not only in the health department, but also schematically. I just feel like there's just so much riding on the Niners to pull out the victory here that some of the handicaps that Seattle's dealing with now, I think the Niners are going to take full advantage of that. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means because it's a division game on the road and division games on the road with the stakes at hand, I think is, is that's indicative of a tight game. I don't think it'll be quite the, I don't think it'll be the shootout that was us and the Rams. But I think it's. I think the defense is going to play a lot better this week. But I do think that this is not going to be a. This we're not going to win by two scores. I think it's going to be a one possession win, like the past like month. Yeah, I think so too. Here's the thing, and I've been saying this all season long. I know, and you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about, Raymond. All season long, I've been saying that. All of these one possession games winning by five points or less from Seattle was not sustainable. That it was not sustainable. That the numbers were falling on their sides, but eventually 
the numbers would start to flip to the other side and that eventually it wouldn't end up on, they wouldn't end up on uh with lady luck standing behind them it'd be the other teams now it's not quite the same they've actually you know had some pretty major losses back-to-back weeks against division rivals that were pretty uh pretty convincing victories against the seahawks but you are seeing a team who has never been as good as their record shows and we've said that all season long and finally what happened finally now as you were mentioning with the injuries piling up you're seeing the dam breaking and you're seeing this team catch up to the numbers that have been in front of them that were inevitably going to show up eventually now they're here and this is team it has so many shades of like i said of that maybe i'm trying to think maybe that is a, a the 26 I, I i keep saying i should look this up but all year i haven't looked it up but it's shades of that either 2015 or 2016 seattle team the seattle team that shouldn't have beat minnesota in that very first wild card round that they played in minnesota where they got purely lucky that they'd missed the kick that is this same team and i've said it all year and it is going to be proven this Sunday against the 49ers. I do believe wholeheartedly we win this team against this uh, team. I'm not that nervous. I was probably a little bit more nervous for the Rams game than I am this game. I just think that again, it's like you the injuries is really the biggest the biggest factor here. And I really just think that with where both teams are right now, the this is more than ever a bad matchup for the Seahawks much more than it is for the 49ers yeah it is and this is just how the cookie crumbles you got to deal with what you you got to deal with the hand you're given every time you come to the table so there's there's no excuses here I'm not making excuses and I know Seattle's not going to do that either so this is just I think this is just our game to win you know, we need to get the one seed for a variety of reasons. I mean, for the same, I mean, the same reasons that Seattle needs to, but I just think that the Niners are in a position, are in a position to, to take it more handedly than Seattle is at this point. They have the advantage of being at home, but again, with everything we've already talked about up to this point, there's just, to me, they're just, I just don't see a way that Seattle wins this game. Marshawn Lynch, I think is going to maybe have a couple of nice moments that, you know, will be, you know, kind of a nod to the crowd, uh, uh, you know, to, to, to show them that, hey, he's he's got some seldom moments left in him that can do some Marshawn thing. But I, I think he's going to be very sluggish out there. And I think he's I think he's going to make mistakes. And I, I, would, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he if they benched him after the second quarter. You know, in favor of who is the big question. They might not have a choice. I I just think that not being in rhythm and all of that, I think there's a good chance that, you know, he gives up the ball. I definitely don't think he's going to get 100 yards, that's for sure. He's he's going to be he's no. going to be bottled up with with you know, rather convincingly. And I just think that this is just I mean, this is a guy, I mean, he has fumbled. There's there's been Numerous times, I mean, in in the four-year stretch between 11 and 14 when they were at their height, he fumbled the ball like, I don't know, like uh, three times one year, five times another, four times in back-to-back seasons. You know, those are similar to what Chris Carson was doing up to this point in the season. I think Chris Carson had like five or something, something like that. So similar deal there. So this guy is susceptible to the turnover, and we've got players that ball hawk. And so when a guy's out of rhythm like that, 
I just think it's a really prime opportunity for us to take advantage of somebody who's just not football ready. They're they're re- he's ready physically. Like if he were to stand next to me with his shirt off, he would blow me out of the water. But if on Sunday, it's just going to be a completely different story. <laughs> you know, it's just I just don't see this. This this is desperate times call for desperate measures. That's all this is. This is not anything more than that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Raymond, have, have you seen, I want to address this before uh, we wrap up here. Have you seen any of the news about Quan Alexander? And so him coming off IR, does that mean that he's 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 still not going to play this week? I'm assuming he's if he comes back, it's going to be in the playoffs. That's the idea, but it's still a long shot according to Kyle Shanahan. So I wouldn't put, I would take it with a grain of salt. If he does come back, he'd be, he'd be gone for, you know, he would have missed months of work. And if he's able to come back, you know, before like a, a, a deeper playoff game, then even having a full week of practice to get ready for that game, you know, he's still going to be out of rhythm. I think, you know, does he have the capability of just picking up where he left off? Sure. I don't think he will given the nature of his injury and the fact that he was, you know, he's, you got to build, rebuild the muscle there and rebuild also the muscle that you missed when you weren't even able to work out. Although I will say that he's ahead of schedule with his recovery. So he's obviously working really, really hard to get back on the field. So he's, I think that's, you know, something to at least acknowledge, but I wouldn't get too excited for him. I'd be more concerned with, you know, the players that are coming off of injury this week. You know, how's Joukowsky Tark going to play? Julian Taylor was actually fine earlier in the week, but then he had some knee injury in the practice today. So how's that going to affect him on Sunday? You know, we'll, we'll have to pay attention to the practice. This just came out too while we're recording, like 10 minutes ago. You know, how's that going to fare on Sunday? We're going to have to watch the practice reports on Friday to see how the rest of these Seahawks guys stack up. I think Javon Clowney is going to make it, but I think a lot of guys aren't on. So not only are you going to be missing, not only is your secondary really banged up, but your offensive line looks like it's hurting quite a bit. And if some, if, if three of those players end up not playing on Sunday, ouch, ouch. Then this this defensive group that hasn't gotten a sack in uh, what is it two weeks? I think they got. I think I, don't, I think they got to Matt Ryan, but it seems like they they've missed a sack and like they've been really they've been a shell of themselves the last like I'd say three weeks. So I think they're due to to have a game where they a redemption game where they get kind of get back on track. And there's only one game in front of them that is going to give them that, that opportunity right now. And I think that that's definitely going to happen. So I think Russell Wilson's going to see the turf in this game. And I think the Niners, I just feel good about this game. I mean, I'm nervous, but I but I feel good about this game. Me too. I feel good. I, I'm, I'm nervous, but my confidence outweighs my nervousness. And last week, I would say my confidence and my nervousness were probably at a dead even. I didn't know what was going to happen, really. But this week, no, it's, it's, yeah, no, not nervous at all. Here's a question for you, Raymond. What's what's going to be the final score? Where where are we going to land? I was almost, almost exact last week. That was probably my best prediction, 34-31. I had said 35-31. I want to know, where do you think this ends up? What's the final score? I think this is going to be something like 31-25. That's what I think this is going to be at. 31-25. So you feel like a, 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 more, a little more convincing than the Rams game 
maybe we get ahead of them a little bit earlier. We don't need to do it in the final two minutes of the game. Yeah, I don't think it goes to overtime this time. I think this I think this go round it's decided within the regulation quarters. Agreed. Agreed. I think so too. Ah uh, now your score was thirty one twenty five. I'm gonna say hmm. I'm going to go 28-21. That's what I think is going to happen. 28-21. That's where I'm going. 28-21. Yeah, that feels good. All right. There you have it. Raymond says 31-23. I say 28-21. What say you, Gold Cast Nation? Let us know your final predictions. The Who the winner is and who the score is. Obviously, we're both saying that in favor of of the 49ers and yeah here we go final game of the year let's all rally and uh let's let's get this done so we can go into the post and that's when things really heat up just the idea that we're going to be back in the playoffs Raymond gives me chills yeah it's going to be exciting no matter what I mean we we get into the we're guaranteed a playoff spot but to me I think if we want to make a deeper run we have to win on Sunday and the Niners know that, and I know that they made, you know, they made the humbling comment of, hey, we're just privileged that we have an opportunity to participate in the tournament, no matter what the outcome of Sunday is. But we know deep down that they want to get the fucking win. That's all there is to it. There's, there's no, there is no humbleness in the locker room that's saying, well, thank God we're here. You know, we're, we're humble to be here. I think inside the locker room, everyone knows what the goal is. And the goal is to secure the number one seed, secure the division, get that much needed buy to rest up and hopefully get some guys back before the first playoff matchup. Oh, 100%. That's exactly what the goal is. Protect the one seed. We've been talking about it. Here it is. One more week to go. I cannot wait. Man, I can't wait. All right. I'm with you, Raymond, 100%. We want to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. uh, Happy non-denominational winter holiday. We want to just make sure that everyone... (laughs) (laughs) Cover everybody. (laughs) Cover everybody. We just want to thank you guys all so much. We have a wonderful listenership, great subscriber base. You guys are dedicated. There are literally thousands of you, thousands of you that hang out with us every single week here on the Goldcast. And, and uh, I think that's one of the things I'm most grateful for, Ray, is our fantastic uh, listeners and our subscribers and how often they interact with us and they talk to us on all social media platforms and I I hope that all of you have a really happy, happy, wonderful holiday. Yeah, I hope you get some new Niner gear. Yeah, uh, the, the my 49ers Scarlet Shanahan cap finally came in. I ordered it in October. The sideline, yeah. Uh, our father, unofficial co- third co-host, uh, showed me the one that he got in the mail. I, well, I sent it to him. That was, that was my yes, gift. That is that's what he said when he showed mm-hmm. it to me. Yep, and so mine finally showed up. It is super badass. All right, so concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time, same Gold Cast channel. <laughs>